Welcome to episode 158 of the Bedhoppers podcast. My name's Mr. H. My name is Mrs. H. Before we jump into the main thing of this episode, we've got a little bit of admin, which is about the... Hot Summer Nights. Hot Summer Nights. I always want to follow it up with like a Grease mega mix. Really? <laughs> yeah. What, what mega mix would like it be? Like Summer Loving and like those Hot Summer Nights. Oh, really? I always think of <laughs> Meatloaf when I think about Hot Summer Nights. Maybe. And the beach was burning, there was fog crawling over the sand. Ah. But also mm. I'm thinking of Miami Vice. Okay. And That's good. Grand Theft Auto. Definitely. However, if you've not picked up a ticket to that. There's yet, still a few left. There's still a few left. And not many, also a few rooms some. left as well. Oh yes. So if you want to be part of what could potentially be the UK's biggest hotel takeover slash party mm. awesome event, yes. then follow the links in the show notes and grab your ticket today. Yes. This is probably going to be the last time that we're going to be able to advertise this event. Oh my God, is it? Probably. Does that mean I've got to get a wiggle on and get my outfit? You have until the end of the month to get your outfit sorted. I like the adrenaline rush of not knowing what I'm wearing. I don't. I don't like the last minute you going, oh, I don't know what I'm going to wear, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So we need to get a groove on and get your outfit sorted and yes. my shoes need to arrive. Anyway. Oh, yeah, you have shoes. I know, I've ordered them from some weird light in the box site uh, or something. Okay. And they're going to turn up at one point or other. That's fine. Mm. You know, I look forward to enjoying my new shoes very soon. Excellent. The good news is, though, this week I'm feeling much, much better. Oh, I'm glad to hear that. Yay! Less swinger flu, mm -hmm. less problems, which is great. Great uh, for me. Yeah. However, it is still fucking hot in the UK. So if you don't live here... Um, it's you, crazy. It's crazy, really. We're not used to this level of heat and for this long. So we are melting and we're probably going to stumble over a few bits and bobs in this episode because it's so fucking hot in this room. Yeah, I'm absolutely melting. Yeah, literally like an ice lolly. Mm -hmm. However, what's this episode about? Well, mm, it's about... It's a bit serious. It's a little bit serious. It's, hopefully there's a bit of comedy in there somewhere um, and hopefully some learnings. I think we've been talking recently with people on our Discord coming along to the Hot Summer's Night event. Yeah, see that? Yeah, yeah, yeah shameless it's plug. a very shameless plug. Um, about some of our worst experiences. Yeah. And they always do come up in conversation. They, they do come up. And, and often people will refer to the, those worst experiences or those bad experiences because when you've had a bit of time between them, they're often quite funny. Now, not all of them are. Some of them are absolutely horrific. And some of them, are, you know, involve some real trigger things like assault and all that sort of stuff. We're going to try and keep this a little bit light, but there are some difficult things that we want to talk about today. Serious stuff. Serious stuff. But why do we talk about these these past events? And I think for me, it's interesting. I haven't had a number of conversations with relative newcomers to the lifestyle. Yeah. People often do worry about what's the worst that could happen. And there's a fear element, I think, going into this kind of... Uh, lifestyle that what if something bad happens and what if something goes wrong and also it's hard to navigate those things and protect your relationship and you know as well as, as doing all that so well I think 
part of the reason we started talking about some of this stuff was because it was therapeutic for us to discuss it, mm -hmm. but also so that you, gentle listener, can hear from our madness and hopefully mm. uh, will help you sort of avoid those situations or if they if you do find yourself in a similar one, be better equipped to deal with it or perhaps, you know, just be better equipped to having a conversation about it afterwards and not feel like you're the only person that this has happened to. That is absolutely true. You will never be the only person this has happened to, I'm sure, you know, in terms of things that go a bit wrong. But the, the good thing is you find lots of people who have common ground and can kind of help you get over that. Yeah. I, I, and so what we're going to do is go over some stuff that we've talked about before. And then we've got a couple of more recent things uh, and some examples that we've not talked about on the show before that we want to talk, sort of bring about and discuss a little bit more openly since enough time has passed that we feel it's a safe space to do that. So might be some trigger warnings on this this episode if that's the case you know very sorry if anyone gets upset if you if you are feeling particularly triggered by it please get in touch and we'll do what we can to help mm, and support sure. you so the first thing i want to talk about is our very very earliest adventures in fact one of the most difficult or bad experiences that we had was was that first couple really that we 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 sort of played with and as a bad experience they tried their best to separate us. Now, we made it really clear going into this experience that actually we only wanted to to soft swap at this point. This mm -hmm. was very early in our swinging career. Career. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they made it really clear that they wanted to to fuck. Oh yeah. And rather than sort of enabling us to sort of go through the experience together, they made went to great lengths to separate us from one end of the room to the other. And so we couldn't even really see or hear each other particularly well. A divide and conquer strategy. Yeah, a divide and conquer strategy. And I think looking back on that, that really, I found that experience quite difficult because, you know, my best friend in the world wasn't there. And, you know, obviously since since we've been in this lifestyle of the swinging lifestyle for quite a while, actually part of our style is, is being in front of each other and, and experiencing it together. Yeah. Not to say that, you know, separate things might happen, but primarily don't you bring up that threshold <laughs> that Prim bloody doorway that bloody doorway <laughs> but primarily our approach has been to do things together and always sort of being able to reach out and hold each other's hand Be if very we need joined to up, yeah. yeah and and that's certainly been been our approach but that couple did their very best to separate us the problem is i think looking back and again it's important to mention that hindsight is you know a terrible but also a wonderful thing because you do look back and reflect and think why did things pan out the way they did and you can't help but think is it something that we enabled in some way or is it always it always going to be that it was going to pan out that way because that's what their intentions were well i think you know one thing we'd have been a lot stronger now and saying well no 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 we're not doing this um but we have a lot more learning now don't we, we yeah we've got a lot more mileage under the belt but also i think we were so new at that point we just didn't know how things worked necessarily. And I don't think we'd kind of got enough experiences there to be able to say, well, this isn't our preferred start. Although mm -hmm. we were quite adamant that we didn't want to be separated, as far as they were concerned, what, what happened was was absolutely fine and between them. And we didn't them. really have a preferred style because we didn't hadn't had anything else to compare it to. Yeah. So I think from a from a bad experience, it certainly wasn't one of the worst. No. Like, or absolute worst. But it actually it stuck with me for a long time. It still sticks with me a little bit to this day. One, because I think as a couple, we we kind of went in there and said, ah, oh, well, it might be fun to play because, we, you know, we can experience that play and see if we're OK and see if we don't break. But actually in doing that, we not only lowered some standards, but we also lowered our, our approach and made our, ourselves feel uncomfortable. So for that reason, that, that one's often one that creeps into mind when we talk about a bad experience. Okay. Okay. Yeah. The next one I've got on my list, right? 
And this is one that, that we've been talking about a lot recently on, on, on one of our chat, chat groups, and that's Special Brew. Ah, and we yes. talk about this in a very light terms. For those of you that have not heard it, it's, I don't know, episode seven, I think. It's an early one, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think it's kind of episode seven, and it comes back in episode nine as well, because he, it comes back. So he... The so return of the return. And this is where we put ourselves into the situation of we were going to meet a couple in a pub, and last minute they changed it. They hadn't sent any pictures of the mail, and we show up at these flats, and it felt like we needed to call social services for this person's partner, it felt like it was a bit dangerous. The situation for us was that that you drank quite a bit and then got quite arsy with him in oh, terms yeah, of challenging him. Yeah, but you, you were doing you it in a way that that made the situation worse. I poked the bear. You did poke the bear. And when and when we actually came to leave that space, mm. you know, the, the woman came to us and was basically asking for help. Now, we did see them again weeks later or, or a period of time. Not intentionally. <laughs> they came to an event that we, we were attending. Yeah. And actually he tried punching me. He did. And if it wasn't really for, you know, obviously I could have stepped away from that. Yeah. Um, I don't particularly like conflict of that level. No. Actually, it was because we were we were catching up with some really good friends or some new friends that we just made and that they were able to step in and support us as well. Yeah. Now, as a learning, there's a so there's so much that we can take out of that. I think it's one trust in your gut instinct. If something doesn't feel right, it probably isn't. It probably isn't. Mm. You know, if you've not seen pictures of both partners, it feels a bit dodged to me. Probably get out. If you get to the place and it doesn't look good, excuse yourself. Get out because actually, we went in with it and we kept making these mistakes throughout the course of the night. You know, we didn't communicate very well, and we I didn't, drank too much. You drank too much. And, you know, you didn't listen to any of the prompts that we discussed before. I forgot about them because yeah. we hadn't really, we hadn't really nailed that between us. Well, we talked about it in the car. And then when you got there, you just threw it out the window, probably <laughs> because of the, the drunkenness <laughs> element. So I think this, this was another situation that, that really struck me as one of the, one of the bad ones to me. Red flags. Absolutely. If you, if you sense there is one, even if it's not a red flag that you anticipated or were kind of equipped to deal with, then step away. Yeah. Make your excuses and step away because it's probably a correct gut instinct. <laughs> it really is. Now, I've got a few a few little ones to talk about as we go along. We're building to, to one that we're going to talk about in a lot more detail. So do forgive me if I'm whizzing through these in, in great speed. because all I, context. It is it, all babe? context and it's kind of how our learning has gone. So the other one that I want to mention, and I, we didn't discuss this before, was actually when we went to VA and that guy, bareback to <gasps> Oh my God. Yeah. Captain Bareback. Yeah. Well, I, I think, I mean, we can make light of it. Well, but, you have to, and I think in a, in a sense, because it's now long gone. Yeah. But also in essence, that person, you could argue raped you. Yeah, you could. And, and I think. Non-consensual entering. Yes. yes. And, and actually whilst we kind of didn't want to, or you didn't want to challenge it particularly at the time, I think now we'd probably challenge it a lot more. We yes. alert the club now, and we'd probably tell everybody. Why do you think we're, is that because now we've got the benefit of more experiences and we recognise that actually in the grand scheme of things, all of those experiences, this is definitely one that we should have gone. Nope. Yeah. I think in hindsight, we should have really gone, not mental, but we should have absolutely caused an issue over this and raised it as a problem. Yeah, I agree. Um, but, I, you know, I know at the time that was difficult for, for you in particular. You didn't want to raise a fuss. <laughs> and and actually, I didn't know about it until a bit later. And I think we kind of just swept it under the rug a bit because I think the, the reality is, I think if we thought about it too much, it could have been quite damaging. Mm -hmm. 
And actually, I think had that had this sort of thing happen now, mm. I think we'd really, really alert the the club. We'd we'd alert like Fab Swingers or whichever site we're using at the time, mm. and, and we'd probably do a lot more than what we did. Now, interestingly, they did get in touch with us after that oh, after yeah, that episode, they and they did apologise. And I don't think they they had meant any harm particularly, but at the same point you know, you, you do that and you've got to expect some repercussions. And I think looking back now, I think we probably do a lot more than what we did at the time, but as a bad meet, I, I think we don't often mention it because actually if we reflect on it too much, it's quite, it's quite triggering, da- it's quite triggering mm. and quite emotionally damaging. So what we would say is if, if you find yourself in a similar situation, uh, please speak to the, you know, and you're in a club, please speak to the, the club, please say your partner, please be honest and open and, don't be afraid of not necessarily causing a scene, but of, of reporting it because that person could go on and do that to somebody else. And mm. even if for you, it didn't matter all that much, actually it's something that you need to to register with somebody else mm. to you prevent further issues. You should definitely constructively raise the issue. Yeah. And it doesn't 100%. have to end up in you know, an argument or some kind of conflict. Like you say, it is just uh, recognising that that is not okay and the right thing to do to help other people not experiencing that is to raise it. Yeah, agreed. Now, we've got one story that we mentioned at the start of this, this episode that we want to cover. And I appreciate that we've really whizzed through some bad experiences that you've probably heard about on our podcast before. And this is something that we want to talk about that we haven't really shared with people. We've talked to people face to face about it. And we've talked to to friends and family members about it. But actually, this was something that had a real impact on our lives and and meant a, a whole range of different things for us throughout the course of actually it was lasted for a year, a good year that it that it became yeah, a problem. Yeah, maybe a little for. longer actually looking back because it was really, really fucking serious. Yeah. And it's difficult because whilst there are various reasons as to why mm-hmm. we haven't spoken about yeah. this before, as you, as you'll find out as we, mm. we talk about it. But what I do want to stress is that that we're not going to name names in particular on this particular no. thing. I think we just want to talk about the situation, what happened, how it panned out yeah. and the impact it had on us because um, it really did, did influence sort of our, our careers and our lives. Our it, did, it did, it, you know, it changed the way we felt about people. It, it changed the way that we trust people and it changed the way that we, you know, approach this whole thing. Great. So this happened before Bedhoppers was ever a thing. I know. So this is going back a good five years. A good five years ago. So if this gets a bit rambly and a bit out of the way, then apologies. We're doing our very best to recall it and share this story with you. I mean, I recall it very well. However, it needs to be told carefully. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, definitely. And it needs to be it needs to be given justice to what you know, all the context is really important to this. Okay, so going back five, five or so plus years, mm-hmm. more than five years ago, yeah. actually, we we fell in with a group of people that were hosting regular events and yeah. parties and stuff. And as they were, sort of, they were sort of getting towards the end of their tenure and kind of deciding to to move on and do a much more kink orientated thing, mm-hmm. right? So as a sort of final hurrah, we got invited to a place up north, like a uh, mansion takeover, I guess, like yeah, a big like house a takeover. Big fancy Airbnb that was big enough for sort of 13 to 15 people. I think it was more than that, frankly. Maybe more, actually. It could have been, well, it was less than 20, but it was definitely a, a big group. Yeah. So a large number of people for Airbnb style thing. And the, the whole concept of the weekend was that we're actually, we were going to be doing 
various sort of kink-based activities, like a kink sample platter, as it were. So there was like uh, candle wax, there was like uh, impact play. A bit of rope play. A bit of consent-based stuff. Yeah. And it's, you know, we developed this relationship with many of these people, both the organisers and the group that were going along over the course of a good year or so before having gone to various events and sort of learned to trust them all, really. It was mm. very much our first positive introduction into the lifestyle and meeting people that felt like they were family. I agree. I felt really comfortable with a large number of that group. And at the time I felt, I felt really, really connected to quite a few of them. And actually, like you say, I know we've referred to our tribe in the past and not really knowing what our tribe was back then. I, it's probably the nearest I can get to describing that's how it felt. You know, you had like-minded or what you thought were like-minded individuals that you could, you know, hang out. And they all lived like in far-flung places across the UK. But we also had like a number of sort of chat groups with these people and on various levels, didn't we? Yeah. And the first first sort of day or the first night was Mm. fine. And there was a level of of some play going on. But but at that point, we were very much a sort of soft swap focused couple. And, yeah. You know, we kind of enjoyed the night and it was fun. Lots of drinking. Lots of drinking. All good fun. Some music, just, you know, some nice food, yeah. kind of just chilling out. A nice vibe. And the next day was very much a continuation of that sort of theme. And that not that it was drinking, there wasn't any drink involved, but it was very much a an exploration of kink and massage and touch and all this kind of stuff throughout workshops, the course of the day. Workshops, I think basically. kind of... Uh, described it as didn't they and again this was new to us we hadn't experienced anything on this scale and didn't really know what to expect from and and it was an event it was described as an event and it was an event we attended wasn't it yeah Mm -hmm. so on the course of the evening yeah or as we got into the early stages of the evening the organizers announced that that actually they were responsible for a new bit of kit that they'd got yeah yeah how would you explain that um, I'm going to refer to, uh, not written word, but I'm going to refer to my recollection of what this equipment was. Okay. Okay. All right. So the equipment essentially was, um, a light device. Okay. So it was a light device that was designed, uh, specifically to stimulate, um, a brainwave. Okay. So, and what it did was stimulated, uh, neurochemicals in the brain using a series of flickering lights. So kind of imagine, um, I, I described it, I think, to myself as almost like a kaleidoscope kind of mechanism where you had one of those telescope things that you would stare through and the images would kind of all flicker and morph and change. And it was just pretty lights, essentially. So if you imagine like a, a tin of roses, I guess. <laughs> a tin of roses, A tin yeah. of roses, it wasn't that sort big, of size. It was like a... Yeah, like with a, a landmine. With a num- yeah, with a number of lights on it. Yeah. And some of our friends decided to give this a go. And the idea was that they turn off all the lights within the living room and you'd lie underneath the thing, one or two of you, or maybe three of you at a mm. push, and you'd you'd close your eyes and yeah. the light would flicker around in circles and it would sort of it evoke would, some yeah. sort of trance, I guess. It's, it's designed to invoke a trance-like meditative state without the use of any stimulants or drugs or you 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 literally be lying there and the light source would stimulate a brain pattern and it was um the the high frequency light patterns were designed to kind of open what they referred to as the brain's third eye 
I believe, if you're looking into the science of it. Yeah, and I guess... Like a drug-free... In hindsight. ...trans-meditative state. That sounds absolutely fucking terrifying. <laughs> you might be sat at home, gentle listener, and going, what the fuck do these idiots get up to? And you'd be right to think this, well, but yes, to a certain extent, to I would some, say. some extent, well, but I think the, the fact that it omitted... Um, ingesting anything or imbibing anything it was not you wouldn't take a pill or take a drug it was purely a light sequence of high frequency flickering lights that were designed to put you into a bit of a trance-like state so we watched i don't know 10 or so people have a go on Mm -hmm. this i mean we sat at the sidelines and watched them lie down and this was like a demo of it so the whole concept was that they weren't going to use the actual super duper trance like thing that they'd used at home and in fact had used on their children yes yes and a number of friends sat underneath it and woke up feeling very refreshed feeling quite sunny very dreamlike yeah and they said it was like an interesting sort of kaleidoscopic thing of colors yeah yeah exactly that so and again it was it was absolutely designed to induce a sense of zen well-being kind of thing and i think also um the description of this particular device was uh shortly going to be rolled out to various um health spas for example and it was also being trialed on alzheimer's patients and there was a lot of research into the the perhaps um non-medicated qualities that it might give to... Well, you say a lot of research. I'm not entirely convinced on that level. (laughs) However, so it got to the point where they offered to see if we want to sit underneath this thing and see what it's like as a demo for a few minutes. And the demo was only going to be three minutes. I think the full programme was like 15 to 20 minutes. Yeah. But also it's really, really important to mention that you could not have alcohol. Yeah. If you'd had alcohol, you were not allowed to use it. And we had not been drinking at all. And we hadn't drunk all, anything. We hadn't had any alcohol um, at all. So we lie underneath this thing. Well, we also did have to fill in a medical questionnaire, don't forget, mm-hmm. which we did. Yep. And none of the things applied to us. Nope. I wasn't pregnant, wasn't breastfeeding. I didn't have any um, any underlying medical issues, nothing oh. like that. And, you know, we both did the same. I was actually concerned about you more than anything. Yeah, because sometimes my eye gets tri- triggered by um, old TV, you, old TV yeah. monitors, like cathode ray tube ones mm. that are flickering at a certain refresh yeah. rate, um, which can occasionally give me a sort of headache, basically. Yeah, exactly. So that. you were a bit worried about me. It, yeah. They, n- nothing on the, we, had to, we spoke to them and they said, actually, this may help you for this. Mm. Mm, absolute fucking witch doctors here. <laughs> Um, no offence to witch doctors if any of you are out there, but it was very much a, you'll be fine, it'll be okay, just mm. lie underneath it, it'll be, only be, it'll be over in a few minutes. And because we'd seen all our friends kind of lie down with our eyes shut, and you had to keep your eyes closed because yeah. the idea was that the light then goes through your closed eyes and you just see this sequence of pretty lights. Yeah. yeah. So we both lie down, the lights are out. And mm-hmm. we, the, the thing starts spinning in front of us. It doesn't spin, actually. The lights spin. The sequence just a sequence of gentle events. lights. And, and actually, so I'm, I'm lying there and... Well, what sort did of, you see? Can you remember? A, it was like one of those 3D eye picture things with lots of flashy lights. Mm-hmm. And it sort of morphed into like a ball and almost... For me, it was sort of almost sent me into a bit of a dream, like a, like a sailboat or something like that. And Nice. Um... It was weird. I'm not sure, you know, I wouldn't ever want to do it again for various reasons. It wasn't unpleasant? It wasn't unpleasant. It was just a bit odd as a sensation. Mm. 
anyway, that the the thing slows down and I come to. And it kind of it's almost like I've been half dreaming for a few minutes. It feels a lot longer, mm-hmm. but it's only literally a few minutes. And I sort of sit up and turn around and you're not awake. You're sort of lying there, um, still sort of with your eyes closed. And we try and gently wake you mm-hmm. and you're not coming around. No. And and it's here that it gets a little bit scary. And, and here is probably one of the most frightening experiences I've ever had in my entire life. So Mrs. H, she doesn't really come around. We prop you up and try and gently gently wake you and I'm telling them at this stage that we need to call an ambulance because mm-hmm. this is not good and they're not doing anything basically they sort of scarper the people that that, that were running this back piece of room, equipment I they buck out said. the room and they they go leaving us with our friends who are desperately trying to see what's going on and, mm-hmm. and are, are already on the phone to an ambulance then your eyes start to flicker and you basically start to have a seizure yeah. where you've, you, you're foaming at the mouth your mm-hmm. muscles are spasming uh, your back is arching and not in the good way. And I think I might actually lose my wife. And that, that was incredibly difficult. And you're in my arms and I remember just just crying your name, holding you up, trying to get them to, because you were burning up, trying to get like a cold compress on you. And and actually you you do start, this stops after a bit and, and you start breathing more normally and start coming around. And then it becomes even more difficult. Because actually, Mrs. H doesn't know her name. She doesn't know me. Doesn't know who I am. Doesn't know the children's names, the dog name. Nothing. Absolutely nothing is there. Complete and and utter, yeah. I, it's it's like she's gone. Like, there's just, and she's functioning. She can sort of talk, albeit she's very shaken up, very hot, uh, still shaking a bit in terms of sort of muscles are still clenching a little bit. But from like, like when you do a lot of exercise and your muscles can Never. sort of, well, yeah, when I've done a lot of exercise, mm-hmm. which happened once back in 98. And at this stage, the, the ambulance crew show up and you still have no concept of me, your name, like your date of birth. And so the ambulance crew jump in and obviously I'm, I'm sort of sat there with them holding you because they're encouraging me to sort of interact with you and stuff. And they're obviously taking measurements they're getting devices out to see what what's going on what what has happened at the same time we're trying to explain to them about the machine and all this time that the people that were running it have disappeared they've they've gone they've not they, they didn't want to answer any ambulance questions they didn't want to stick around to no. to be involved or be held responsible in any shape or form after i don't know 10 minutes i think you start to remember little things and you you recognize me there's, there's a moment where I can see you recognize me and uh, and I start asking you questions that the ambulance crew are encouraging me to to ask you questions like what's the dog's name what's the kids names numbers are just gone numbers are like you know not that I was asking for your pin number but um <laughs> uh, you know the date of birth the kids birthdays my birthday really important that one it was just not there just it just wasn't coming back so the the ambulance take basically say they're going to take you into hospital I can ride with you and some of our friends basically say they'll they'll come with us. The ones that stayed, the ones with, that us stayed with us, not the people that were sort no. of organising this, and, and who owned the machine, and who owned the machine. They they've just gone, and all the time we're sort of messaging them to try and find out answers to the questions about the about the equipment. And I'm you know I'm in a I I've gone through this point where I think I've I've lost my wife, 
to the point where I think that we may have her back, but she doesn't know who I am, which is heartbreaking to the point where that, you know, where, where we are physically going into hospital, which I know is the right place mm. for you. Yeah. But, but is also fucking terrifying. And we get there and we, we sort of go into the whole triage area, whatever it is for them to sort of establish what's going on. And you have an absolute sugar crash as well. Yeah. Where you can't, <laughs> you, you're struggling to, and this happens sometimes when you're really hungry because you hadn't had tea. And when Mrs. H is hungry, for those mm-hmm. of us that, that know Mrs. H very well, she doesn't function very well when she's hungry. And this was absolutely one of those occasions where, you know, she, she physically had run the marathon with all the clenches and all this sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And, but now needed something to, to eat or drink. And all we could get you was a hot chocolate <laughs> from the machine. But actually that, that was enough sugar to just just take the edge off. He did a whole load of blood tests yeah. and lactic acid tests. And David Fieldide had a full tonic-clonic grand mal seizure. Tonic-clonic mm. does sound like a wonderful cocktail. <laughs> and I was very disappointed to learn that there was nothing involving I'll any Schweppes. have a tonic-clonic, please. Yeah. <laughs> there was no tonic. There was no none of that nice tonic that you get with a good gin. Sadly not. Sadly not. This was... Yeah, this is, you know, t- tell us about what happened when we're in there. So you, you, at this point, you start to re- recall what was yeah. going on, right? So I actually can recall what happened before the seizure, but I can't recall anything about the seizure. Thankfully, because it sounds horrible, I can remember the the physical pain and the aftermath of it. But what I can remember is this: before the seizure, I remember lying down with my head on a cushion, and I remember the lights were dimmed, and I remember staring up at this little tripod with this very innocuous looking metal machine that didn't didn't really seem to be particularly threatening. And as you've described, yes, a series of lights began to gently play across my, my vision. I then recall feeling really, really deliriously overwhelmed by an emotion. I remember not knowing whether I wanted to laugh or cry or scream and I couldn't do any of it. I couldn't make a noise. So it's pretty much like hanging out with me. <laughs> I remember tears coming out of my eyes because I was so deliriously overwhelmed by an emotion. And I remember distinctly feeling, is this what it feels like to lose your mind? Because I didn't know how to cope with that emotional reaction I was having. Wanted to open my eyes and I couldn't because I remember being told not to. So I was cognizant enough to know I needed to keep my eyes shut. I wanted to turn my head away and I couldn't because I couldn't do anything. And then I remember nothing at all. I don't remember what happened after that initial feeling of delirious, giddy, tearful, emotional, not understanding whether my mind was fracturing in some way. It was the most bizarre sensation ever. It didn't hurt. There was no pain particularly. I just didn't know what to do. And then I remember nothing at all until I was surrounded by paramedics and I don't know how much time had elapsed. I don't know what had happened. I don't know why they were there. And then I realised I also couldn't move any of my legs, any of my legs, either of my legs, (laughs) any of my many legs. I couldn't move any limbs without feeling some immense trauma had happened in my body and the inside of my mouth was ripped to shreds and full of blood and I didn't understand where that had come from either and I didn't I remember you 
and I remember remembering you, but I don't know how I'd been when I came around and I didn't know you. If that yeah, there sense. was a good 10 yeah. minutes or so, 10, 15 minutes before, before it, yeah. it was a bit like, uh, and, and the paramedics described it that way, like when you restart a computer. A reboot, yeah. A reboot, and it was almost like you could hear the Mac noise as she came on board, and said it would be probably some sort of Samsung Galaxy. Which thing. I must do, as you always sing Sinead O'Connor. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but but it took a, a bit of time before you were there. Yeah, the, and your I didn't body remember that at all. I just remembered the what on earth has happened. My legs and arms are just you know when you get the worst cramp in your legs and it wakes you up at night. Yep, and that that awful muscular pain where all you can do is like rub your calf or put your foot flat on the ground to get rid of that pain it was all over my body I felt like I'd run a marathon literally but couldn't remember why or what or how I got there and who these paramedics were why there were (laughs) loads of machines beeping and what the actual fucking fuck had happened well I think and then we obviously as I said we got you to hospital eventually and they they discovered that you had had a seizure yeah and a really big one. A really big one. And and then, you know, the first bit of advice was that you're not going to be able to drive. You're going to need to report this um, yeah. to the DVLA, the Driving Association or whatever. But also that they sent us home, I think, about four or five in the morning. Yeah. Well, I got referred to a first seizure clinic because I'd never had a seizure in my life. Oh. And I had no known epilepsy or photosensitivity ever for anything. So they referred me to the first seizure clinic when I got home. So we, when we got back the, to, to, the, to the house we were staying at, mm. the host didn't really interact. They, they just avoided us more than anything else. I think they might have said one or two words. I don't went, remember that much either. Well, we went to bed for about three or four hours. Yeah. And then we drove back from the north to, to Southampton. Mm. Um, and, you know, you were shattered and very confused and we were asking you questions. So things like your PIN number again, you mm. couldn't remember that. Uh, your phone number, you couldn't remember. So numbers were a real struggle. And they said that may return, that may not do, that may take years, that might take a week or two weeks. Mm. And so we were just sort of just talking about the whole incident on the way home and just trying to to explore what was there, what was not, what was missing, what were the gaps. And for the next few weeks, actually, you were very, um, you know, on and off, very, there were moments where you just couldn't remember stuff and Mm. But most of it sort of started to trickle in after yeah. a couple of weeks and, and, and you know, the normal sharpness, irony here for you. Wait, what? <laughs> of your mind came back. This has been recorded. You said I'm sharp. Yeah. I'm taking that. <laughs> yeah, you will take it. <laughs> but that started to come back in. And the more that that came back in, the more of your personality did. But obviously you'd gone through some extensive trauma and it took a while for you to find your feet again. Now, the, the, the impact of this was that you had to go to a, a clinic about your Apologist, first seizure. Yeah. Um, you weren't able to drive for six no. months, so you had to catch a bus. Actually, it was longer in the end. It turned out to be nearly a year by the time I got my car back. Yeah. So um, you had to be designated driver had to be everywhere we went. Designated driver. And when we did finally make our way back into lifestyle activities, mm. which is, again, frankly, after all these am- like amazingly bad experiences, how we've done that, I, I don't know, which is why I'm eternally grateful for the circle of friends that we've got in the lifestyle now. Yeah. Um, but, but actually it took time for you to get your car back. You couldn't drive. We did go out to meet eventually after four or five months. Yeah, ages. And, you know, I had to drive everywhere. Uh, we couldn't take turns, drive. So all this mm. stuff happened and mm. you, 
you know, getting to work was traumatic for you. Well, not traumatic. You had to catch a bus, which that is probably was traumatic. Your, which is your worst, <laughs> absolute worst nightmare. And we had to go through six, seven, eight months mm. of neurological testing, of epilepsy testing, seizure testing, mm. medication. All of that stuff had to happen. We were, I remember we had to go into London a couple of times for yeah, extreme crazy. specialists to find out what was going on. We had to talk about the the machine itself mm. and all of this sort of stuff. All, all the while that the people that had hosted it, this event, yeah. had pretty much fallen completely off the radar, wouldn't answer our, our questions. Because obviously we're trying to find out more about the machine. Where did because, you get it from? Where did you, yeah, all this, what, who made it? Yeah. What, all the stuff. It was really fucking because important. medically, we needed to know that. We absolutely needed to. We They needed to understand the frequency that was used in the light machine. Yeah. And again, it's important to note that the, the machine itself um, was not, was safe, actually, because it had been pat tested. It, it transpires and... It had been through rigorous kind of testing and whatnot. So it could have been that the frequency on that particular machine was set too high. But we didn't know because we needed the, the owners to get in touch and tell us these things because we needed to understand so my neurologist could understand. Yeah. So, and this went on for a period of time. Yeah. Quite a long time. Quite a long time. Eventually, I'm, I'm incredibly pleased to say that Mrs. H recovered and, and is now the absolutely wonderful woman that I see before hey. for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, now she just has memory loss because of menopausal stuff, which is fine. <laughs> Everyone goes through that shit. And I never much. turned into the Hulk either. There turn, was no gamma rays. There was no thing, gamma rays. No cool side effect, like no. a superpower. Nothing like that no. at all. Just <laughs> a, a, a fit and months of horrible situations with yeah. not being able to drive and going through a whole load of tests. Yeah. So we wanted to tell this story for a, for a long time and share it with you, but it's been difficult. Mm-hmm. Because we didn't want to relive all of this stuff again, even though we've talked about this to friends and people that we've met on our journey. And I guess the reason that we're telling it now is because we've we've been talking a lot about bad experiences and bad meets. And actually, when what you think are good relationships go south. <laughs> yes. And that night was a particularly good example of you think people have got your back and you think people that you know intimately, actually, and socially abandon you when you need them most yeah and it's 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 impossible to know how it's going to go down when 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 shit hits the fan but i think i really truly believe actually that the 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 friends we've got in our circle and we've got the people that come to our events regularly and the people that stay in touch they have our back and have our best interests at heart and i also want to point out that there were a few people in that group that night who did stay good friends and did look after us when and and looked after you you know, when, when it was the shit hit the fan. Um, and so I'm very grateful to those individuals, but they were few. Yeah. And I, the, the people that organized it have sort of very much disappeared from our lives. And, you know, I'm glad of that yeah. now because actually I don't, I don't want people that are going to be like that in our lives, <laughs> you know, and, and, and are going to act that irresponsibly. And I yeah. reckon, you know, I, I understand 100% that when we agreed to go on the machine thing, yeah. that, that we were committing you know, that we were, we were doing that ourselves. It was of our own choice. Of course. And although what we weren't prepared for were the risks that were involved, although looking back and in hindsight, we probably could have figured those out. What I didn't expect, though, was for what I thought were our friends just to sort of disappear from it. And I think one of the things that I've learned a lot over this the course of, of this whole journey, hey, how we all love that word, 
but is actually is that that sometimes relationships for this for this amazing lifestyle can be life changing in a really positive way. And we've made friends all over the world, friends that we we talk to on a daily basis, and people that we truly love. And then people have stepped into our lives, and we thought they were special. And it's transpired that that those initial feelings have, uh, haven't been right. And sometimes there's your gut tells you that's going to be the case, but sometimes it just goes wrong. Yeah. And I guess our take or my take out of all of this is to to trust your gut when when you are given those signals. Definitely. To to go with your heart and 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 to go with what you both agree is a partnership. If if you have a partnership, mm-hmm. but you know if it's just you, go with your gut. Don't go with your penis or your for JJ. <laughs> I mean, you Never can't get idea. it right all the time. No. And, you know, to err is human and absolutely you you make poor judgments in everything we do, whether it be the clothes that you wear or, you know, the, the choice not to take an umbrella to work one day, but or to put your faith and your trust in people that you think are on the same page as you morally and ethically and then turn out to not be. We've been very lucky for the most part, yeah. certainly in the last few years, for finding people and people finding us that have become part of our lives. And I think that kind of makes us a little bit more sort of trusting of how how we throw ourselves into those relationships. And I think it's an important reminder to be aware of your surroundings and not to jump full steam ahead, especially if other friends are sort of going, be careful what you're doing and to listen to your friends True. too. But I think it's also brought out a positive thing because when I know we have got it right, I feel it feels different and I feel like I can put everything into it and all of my trust and all of my emotion because they've proven time and time and time again that they'll stick through us through all of the stuff, all of the good things, all of the fun things, all of the not so good things. And they've been there for us at some really difficult times. And I would like to think that we've done the same for them. I'm going to give it all of my <laughs> love and it's going to take up all of my yes, love. Yes, it is, it's worth the investment into wonderful relationships when you find them and don't let them go because they're not that you're not fortunate enough to get many of them. And when you do, you should cherish them. Yeah. I think that's, that's the core yeah. takeaway. One, don't, don't fuck it up like we have, <laughs> if, if, if you can possibly avoid it. Uh, are we talking cautionary tales here? Don't piss into the wind. Don't eat yellow snow. Yeah. All that sort of stuff. But, <laughs> but there is a moment, you know, in a lot of these stories where we should have trusted our gut. We should have trusted our feeling and we should have known better. But actually we were seeking the relationships that we weren't going to make with those people. And with time and effort and energy, we actually found the right people that mean so much to us, but it's taken time and and energy and all the stuff to get to that point. And also I think when you say things like don't take one for the team, my God, it couldn't be truer because you're not just, you're not just going to get a bad fuck. (laughs) It could be so much worse. You're, you know, you're metaphorically and physically taking one for the team. It's not going to end well. Yeah. And it's, it's bad news. And if it feels like the wrong thing to do, don't do it just to please someone else because you, you, it won't do you any good. Well, I think it's also safe to say, and, and this is the Hopper's mm-hmm. final moment, as it were, the Jerry, final moment. Yeah, Where the, are we the, going? Well, the Jerry Springer moment at the end. It, it's that kind of, as you're going into a relationship, have your, Eyes wide open. It's not it's, eyes wide shut. Not eyes wide shut. The That's password the, is not yeah, for Dalio. No, the password is not for Dalio. <laughs> um, and trust each other and trust yeah. your instincts and look after each other. And sometimes it's going to go great. Yeah. And sometimes it's going to go shit. But if it goes shit, 
know that you're not the only ones that's happened to because no, it's fucking no, happened God. to us a lot. And I know we've given you an extreme example today of something that went shit and really could have resulted in absolute catastrophic outcomes. Yeah. It didn't. And that was just the first couple that we spoke about. <laughs> um, it, what, you know, what struck me through all of this afterwards is, yes, there were some few that looked out for us and, you know, I'm really glad that we, we have met great people along the way that have, you know, stood the test of time with us and looked after us. Agreed. So on that note. Oh gosh. Yes. Am I allowed to give a little follow-up about, not about anything big, but what happened with this machine manufacturer afterwards? Well, I, I think it's safe to say that, that we eventually did report this Yeah, machine. and I was going to say there was a good outcome in a way because they agreed to modify some of the settings on, I think, the machinery. And the machinery absolutely wasn't going out of the market. It was staying put. Um, but it was clear there had to be something modified with it. So that was a good thing because at least we we hoped it wouldn't happen to someone else. And I think also the the descriptions that, that needed were on to the, be needed to be very specific as to <laughs> yeah. to what you signed your life away on and to of make course. sure that it was the disclaimers the, needed to be better and the, yeah. you know all all that important stuff. So some good did come out of it. Yeah, well, and so, some good has come out of all of those things because you know we through through all of those examples we've learned to communicate better. Yeah, we've learned that that friends can be out there and can be found. Mm. We, we've learned that not every experience has to be an awful one. And, and also that, that don't sit under light machines, basically. That's, yeah. that's the, the real big take out of this, I think. And don't piss into the wind. Don't piss into the wind or eat the yellow snow. Right. Yeah. So go Oof. buy tickets to our hot summer's night event. Yes. Uh, where there will be no light machines like no, this. No, not at all. <laughs> and no, no drinks called tonic clonics. <laughs> no, no. Although maybe we can arrange one of those. That would, there's probably oh, a bit God, of bad no. taste. No, no, no. Probably but bad you taste. you should arrange to name a whole bunch of cocktails after your wonderful sayings. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Yeah, because you've come is... out with some corkers over the years. Oh, thank you, dear. You're welcome. Oh, thank you. But yeah, get tickets to our event. Mm. Join us in the hotel as well. That's going to be absolutely fantastic. Become part of our circle of folks because we have a, an amazing chat that's already running. And we have some amazing people that exist within that group. Yeah. You know, and, and it's forever growing with more and more lovely people that, you know, keep wanting to join the groups and come back again and again for more. Yeah. So we all must be doing something right. And it's a testament to awesome people that attend. Exactly that. Right, Mrs. H, do your thing. Well, thank you for hopping into our bed. Why? Why would you sing the Venger Boys? Why is that in your your mind? I don't know. Can you not get rid of it? Maybe that's what we're gonna. That's the only song that we've licensed for Hot Summer Nights. Is it? Bloody hungry! No, nobody wants to be on the Venger bus. Really? No. No. I'm going to play Dance Monkey. I am. That's the only song you requested about eight times last time we went. Dance me, dance me. I can't even say it because of my <laughs> bloody testosterone treatment. <laughs> like your Scoob. Uh, it's constricted my vocal cords. It's not. 
It's because you're trying to grow some balls. Oh, <laughs> Literally. <God. laughs>